Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Canadians are changing how we shop for groceries. Also, living on a cruise ship, a lot of people are buying cars. Back to the Pharmacare drawing board. Branford welcomes the Bulldogs and the Ticats tangle with the Riders. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. New research out that shows 64% of Canadians have changed the way they buy groceries. The Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University reports that 86% of us say we're now more price conscious when we're going to our favorite grocery store. And in fact, 45% say they're now prioritizing cost over nutritional value when grocery shopping. And many of them are worried about the long-term health impacts. Now, we did have a bit of good news Yesterday, when Federal Innovation Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne said that Canadians can expect grocery chains to roll out campaigns to try and stabilize rising prices. And that will include discounts on certain food items and price freezes. These measures uh, will bring a much-needed more competitive marketplace, and the winners of that are obviously Canadians. Okay, so there's some good news there, but still a lot of Canadians worried about the cost of food, and they're now prioritizing looking at the price point as opposed to the nutritional value. Shannon Crocker is a registered dietitian and nutritionist who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shannon, thanks for waking up with us this morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks, Rick. How are you doing this morning? Not too bad. Well, the price freezing and, you know, those discounts, that's that's good news, but people are still worried about the, the cost of food, and according to this report, they're looking at the price before anything else. Your thoughts on this? Well, I think certainly, you know, there's a huge impact of grocery store prices, just like there are, you know, an impact in rising costs of just about everything uh, these days, for sure. And so I think that, you know, we've been seeing this for a while now that people have been starting to look for ways to save money on on food. And I think that they're going to continue to do so even with these tactics that the grocery stores are going to be coming out with. We're not quite sure what those are going to be as yet. Um, and how it's going to look and what how that's going to impact. So I think we're still going to see people looking for ways to save money on food. Uh, there was some other good news. Uh, it was either yesterday or the other day from a provincial standpoint, Ontario adding $5 million in funding to the student nutrition program. We're still waiting for a national program, but that funding has now been boosted to $38 million province-wide. That must have a big impact. Yeah, for sure. You know, there are a lot of kids who are impacted by food insecurity. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are more impacted by food prices than others, of course, Rick. So marginalized groups, people with low income, people living with food insecurity, a lot of those are kids. And for them, it's more about policies and adequate income than saving a bit of money in the grocery store. So, you know, um, policies like putting money into school food programs, hopefully, will make a big difference for some of those kids. Anyone going to the grocery store or planning a trip this Thanksgiving long weekend to uh, put on a nice spread this coming Mm -hmm. Sunday or Monday, whatever the case is, uh, will be looking at the price for sure. But you have created an excellent resource on your website, shannoncrocker.ca, this blog that is going to give viewers who go to your website a glimpse of how they can save money but still eat well. So what are we looking at? Yeah, so this resource that I have, it's got dietitian designed recipes that um, give you nutrients to you need to feel well and stay energized as well. Because so a lot of people in the survey mentioned that they were also concerned about the nutritional value that they were going to be getting. So yeah, they were prioritizing price over nutrition, but they were concerned that they weren't going to get the nutrients that they needed for good health. And that was especially seen in the 
Boomer group for sure. So this e-booklet's got some great, some great recipes. Um, it's also got lots of clever tips to help you, you know, get creative in the kitchen while, you know, making budget-friendly meals that are still healthful. And so we've got lots of tips in there as well. Well, a lot of people listening right now are thinking, well, how can I save money and still eat well? Is there a recipe or two that is uh, quickly relatable to our audience this morning? Uh, well, one of the recipes in that e-booklet is um, for an easy curry chickpea masala. So one of the things that people say that they turn to is, um, for example, um, some plant proteins like canned beans, legumes, chickpeas for some protein source because those those foods are inexpensive. And what I love about that recipe in particular is that it does rely on convenience foods like canned uh, tomatoes and frozen cauliflower when not in season. Right now, cauliflower is in season, so it's not as expensive as it would be, say, in February, for example. Um, and one of the things that I also love about that e-booklet, we've got a whole page in there about how to use up veggies so that you don't waste them. Because, of course, wasted food is wasted money. And we know that uh, on average in Canada, people are wasting an amount of food that's roughly equivalent to about $1,300 a year. So if we can reduce our food waste, that is one great strategy to help you to save money. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Shannon Crocker, registered dietitian and nutritionist. Check her out online at shannoncrocker.ca. In these times of uh, you know, tight budgets, a lot of people will turn to processed food or even fast food to, you know, it's quick, it's easy, I don't have to stress about it, it's low cost. This This is not necessarily a good decision, though. Well, first up, um, there's a difference between processed foods and ultra processed foods, right, Rick? So almost all food is processed, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Ultra processed, low nutrient foods, um, like many, you know, prepackaged foods and prepared foods, don't give you the nutrients necessarily that you need for good health. So we want to try to, you know, curb our reliance on those foods. And that's going to mean eating, cooking more at home. And so one of the suggestions that I would have is, you know, start by looking at what you've got in your um refrigerator in your cupboards first shop at home first because one of the things that um, we find is that people end up buying more food than they actually need and so they are wasting food so if we can stop you know first before you go to the grocery store at all and look at what do you what do you have at home what vegetables are in the crisper that need to be eaten up and then find ways to use them before you actually go into the grocery store and buy more I would also say this is a good teachable moment for your children as well. You know, get them in the kitchen, teach them how to make things and, and do so healthy as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, good food skills and cooking skills are really important if you are trying to eat well and save money on food. And, you know, speaking of kids, one of the things that I love is, um, and I've done this before, is in the fridge, I'll put a, like little stickers, <laughs> sticky notes on foods to say, eat this first, um, because, <laughs> you know, that helps to reduce food waste as well. And I know people who put like little bins in their fridge that's like their eat me first bin, for example. So that's where like the last carrot might go or the apple that's got to be eaten. So, th you know, that's really clear for the kids when they open up the fridge. They're like, oh, OK, that's what I'll have first. That's a great message to, to send. And you can also check out the recipe e-booklet called Eat Well, Spend Less online, shannoncrocker.ca. Shannon, thanks for the time. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Rip. Happy Thanksgiving. That is Shannon Crocker, registered dietitian and nutritionist. And uh, some great tips and eating advice on that website that you can check out. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's a retired couple from Australia, and, and these people aren't alone, but this is the latest example. This retired couple from Australia is living on a cruise ship 
full time because they say it is cheaper than living in a senior's home in Australia. Marty and Jess Anston have scheduled 51 back-to-back cruise journeys on board Princess Cruises since they first set sail in June of 2022, and they don't plan to disembark anytime soon. I don't blame them. The Ensigns have already spent the last 500 days living at sea as part of their 795-day voyage, saying it is ultimately cheaper to live on cruise ships than it is to pay for a retirement or nursing home. And they don't have to worry about paying for rent or a mortgage, obviously getting groceries, doing the laundry. That is all done on the ship. How feasible is this? And will more people decide to go down this route. Barry Choi is a personal finance and travel expert and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Barry, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good to be back. I'm good. What do you think about this? (laughs) You know, I kind of like what you said. It's not the first story we're seeing. Um, But I will say this. A lot of the other stories when we read about people who are spending their retirement years on cruise ships, they've kind of clearly outlined the numbers saying it's cost this much. And when you look at the numbers, it can seem kind of reasonable, um, all things considered, do you know what I mean? But this story, it was curious that there was no numbers. They just said that it's cheaper than living in an Australia nursing home. I don't know how much Australian nursing homes cost. Maybe it's a lot more than I think it is. <laughs> um, but, you know, I won't argue the fact that in some cases, cruises can be cheaper. But quite often in recent times, the ones we've been seeing are luxury cruises where they're very expensive to live. So the, we have we have the story on globalnews.ca, and they kind of broke down the cost, at least in terms of senior housing in Canada. And there's a report from Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation that shows the average cost of a senior's uh, housing, I guess, unit in Canada was $3,075 per month in 2021. That's probably gone up. So that totals about $37,000 a year. There's one cruise line, I think it's Marais Cruises, that is offering a three-year voyage through 135 countries, 375 ports, that is $41,200 Canadian a year. So it's pretty close. Yeah, that's for sure. If you're comparing those specific numbers, then yeah, definitely. But this also seems you're in good health and you're in a nursing home. Like, let's be realistic. You know, I live in Toronto. The cost of renting a room can cost more than $3,000. And (laughs) seniors' homes cost significantly more than that. So it really depends on where you live and where you're coming from, right? So, and let's be realistic about one other thing. I don't doubt that cruise ships have doctors on board, but what if you need something major? Then you need to go off board. You got to pay for uh, a healthcare. So they're from Australia. Mm-hmm. What happens if all of a sudden they're in the United States cruising and they need emergency heart surgery? So, you know, I'm sh- sure there would be some insurance restrictions for long cruisers. Uh, that would be something I would look into if I were a senior and I was thinking about this plan. Yeah. Are more and more cruise lines offering these extended stays? You know, I think so because clearly it makes a great headline. You don't need to sell it to everyone, right? But if you've got one couple or, you know, someone who comes on the cruises regularly and they sign up, uh, the story themselves said they've become local celebrities. People come onto the cruise and they're like, hey, uh, we want to meet these people. They're almost like cruise ambassadors. <laughs> and now yeah. they're doing media appearances all around the world. We're talking about them. We're talking about the cruise line. So it's great PR, right? Let's be realistic. So I think it's fantastic some of these cruises are offering it and hey if these people want to live out the retirement 
lives on cruises YOLO, right? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Barry Choi is our <laughs> guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Barry is a personal finance and travel expert. You can check him out online at moneywehave.com. First, for our listeners who've never been on a cruise, I've been on mm-hmm. one myself in, in the Caribbean. It was absolutely fantastic. What are the benefits and what are the drawbacks of staying on an extended cruise, apart from the health you know, situation you just uh, unfurled? I think what people got to realize now, especially if they haven't been on a cruise in a long time or period, is is they're different. You know, they're giant floating cities, entertainment complexes, whatever you want to call them. Um, and more importantly, you know, this story is about seniors. So people think it's like only seniors ride cruises. Like, of course, they're going to do that. Right. But that's not the case. You know, every single cruise line, uh, they've got different amenities. They cater to different demographics. So you've got cruises for young people. You've got cruises for couples. You've got cruises for families. Right. Disney has their own cruise lines where you can meet Star Wars characters, you can meet Pixar characters. So it's really interesting now. I think uh, dining elevation has also gone up. Like a lot of cruise lines, they hire celebrity chefs to to create the menu. So so overall, I think the mentality of cruises has changed significantly over the years. Uh, it keeps getting better, but obviously the drawbacks. You, you know, the the confinement can be quite small. Whenever you're at the ports, you've got limited time. Mm-hmm. Depending on that port, it can be quite far. Right. So. You know, a friend recently told me she was on a cruise. They stopped in Florence. It was still two hours to get to Florence. So you've got a lot of limited time. And of course, there's always extra costs. So when you buy a cruise, you're getting the base fare. Uh, But if you want drink packages, uh, uh, day trips, fancy dining, you're always going to be paying more every single day. Yeah, there's always something to buy if you want to buy (laughs) on a cruise. Doesn't matter where you go in the world, not just cruises, they're going to try to get your money, right? (laughs) That's right. Is there a hot cruise package right now that people are flocking to? You know, I don't, I wouldn't say a hot cruise package, but I will say this in general. At any given time, there's always a sale on cruise just because there's so many. Um, But what's funny is the best time to buy a cruise is when you're on a cruise because once you've sailed once, they're going to try to make you buy another one before you get off the ship and they're going to give you huge discounts, 40% off, whatever. Um, But I'll tell you this much. My parents are big cruisers and they use my email address whenever they sign up so I can just monitor anything because they're not tech savvy. But then the amount of discounts or sale promotions I get in my email from cruises it's absolutely bonkers. It's like one every single week, upgraded packages, 40% off, second passenger, Carol's free. And sometimes I'm like, why am I not cruising with them? <laughs> why is that? I just don't have the time, and it's a different demographic for me. They like different cruises than the ones I enjoy. I get it. Barry, always enjoy your time on the show today, and uh, thanks for uh, your time as always. We'll talk to you down the road. No problem. Have a good one. You too. Barry Choi, personal finance and travel expert. Check him out online, moneywehave.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There is a new report from DeRossi Automotive Consultants that says auto sales in September surged. New vehicle sales jumped 19% compared to September 2022, which a year ago was the slowest or lowest since 2009. DeRossi says added supply has alleviated pent-up demand and outweighed the pressures of high interest rates. And that had me thinking, yeah, with high interest rates and inflation where it is and people worried about their money, uh, they're, they're, they're buying vehicles? Dr. Ian Lee is an associate professor in the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Lee, good morning. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you very much. I find this increase surprising given, as I said, Canadians' concerns about their finances. What are you seeing in these numbers? Right. Um, 
the and I understand the it does seem contradictory, but when you drill down, uh, let me let me just step back for a moment. Very big picture, because I'm going to bring in stats that nobody else is talking about, because it's more than just, you know, sales going up or down. Um, the, the survey of StatsCan of commuters of commuting, all Canadians in Canada was released only about four months ago. It was fascinating. It showed that across Canada, 84 percent of all Canadians that go to work, this is commuter statistics. So those are working Canadians. 84% use their car to go to work. Um, only 14% use mass transit. Now I realize it's higher in Toronto and Vancouver, but when you blend out the averages across the country, because we all live in the same country, it's 84%. In other words, we are very, very car dependent. That's the first point. The second thing is you go to StatsCan data and say, what's the average age of an automobile in Canada? There's 26 million cars on the road, according to Stats Canada. So 26 million, 40 million Canadians, 30 million adults, 26 million cars on the road. So almost one car for every adult. Not quite, but, you know, 85, 90% of Canadians apparently have a car. And then you look at the average age of the car, and it's between 10 and 11 years old. So we connect those dots and say, gee whiz, we're very dependent on, we've got older cars. I'm exhibit A, I've got a 14-year-old Honda, and... And then we were stopped from buying new cars to replace our older cars because the supply chains got blown up, as we all know. And there were huge shortages of car parts and, the, and thus shortages of cars. The supply chains are coming back into balance. And so there's more cars now available to purchase. And notwithstanding the rates, because we are so dependent on our car, I argue, notwithstanding those higher interest rates, people are going out and buying a car. And uh, I'm not suggesting that they uh, that they're enthusiastic about the higher rates, but you know, if you have to have a car to go to work, and 84% are commuting by car, well, then you got to go get yourself a car when the old car that's 10 or 11 or 12 or 14 years old breaks down and is finished. So Canadians have made buying a car a must-have because they must have it to go yes. to work. Yes, I would put there's three in my classes and i've been talking about it for years because i'm a former banker years ago in the 70s and 80s i was lending millions of dollars there's really three things that are essential and everything else is discretionary as far as i'm concerned food you gotta eat mm -hmm. gotta whether it's a rent or a mortgage because you gotta have a house over your head and thirdly your transportation else is discretionary i really mean that trips are discretionary much as one thinks a holiday is essential you know you don't have to go on a holiday so, so my point is, is that it is, to use the technical uh, jargon of economists, okay, the demand for transportation for a car is inelastic, meaning it's, it's not a discretionary item because we're in a, an enormous country, second largest in the world, over a very large population. Distances are very large. And notwithstanding Toronto, which does have very good mass transit and Vancouver, in most cities, this is the dark and dirty secret we don't talk about. In most cities, the, the mass transit is buses. And I've seen the studies and I've seen the stats and people don't like taking buses. They just don't. And they'll drive their car. So they'll take LRT or trains, you know, like the GO train mm -hmm. in Toronto. But when it comes to buses, it's not popular. And so people are voting with their wallet and saying, I have to have a car. 
So that's, I think, explains why the, and now the cars are available in the lots, and so people are going out and buying a car. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Dr. Ian Lee, Associate Professor, Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. We're talking about a uh, new report out that says auto sales in September surged compared to September of 2022, uh, basically because the the supply has alleviated that pent-up demand to get into a vehicle. Regarding that supply-demand dichotomy, is that impacting prices now? The yes, yes, it, the um, and this is shows why it's going to be so difficult for the Bank of Canada uh, to get inflation back down to two. I am very sympathetic to them because first off, I do think interest rate. At the same time, they're um, they're not working perfectly, and I mean by that, it is dampening the economy. We know that the GDP is slowing down to a crawl, uh, it, and that's even if it's crawling. Okay, so it is working and cooling the economy. But it's not destroying all. It's not destroying demand. It's just reducing demand. One more quick point, because I think this is very critical, is is that and the Bank of Canada has acknowledged this. Higher interest rates um, do affect different people differently. Uh, people that are uh, much higher income who don't have a mortgage are clearly not affected by interest rates, like a person who has a a young person starting out who has a big mortgage, and uh, so people of more modest incomes, and it's been ever thus. People with modest incomes are more affected by inflation and they're more affected by interest rate increases. I suspect if we saw that data, I'd love to get my, I'm going to get my hands on that data once it becomes available. I suspect these people buying these new cars, this surge in new car sales are people in the higher income brackets. I don't think these are people in the lowest or lower income brackets. These are people, uh, you know, the upper middle class and the wealthy and, and middle class who have the capacity the financial capacity to either borrow or they have the cash to pay for it. So uh, I, I think that that is an important part of this factor. But yes, it's going to, um, to your question, it's going to be more difficult It's because the demand is there and they're going to be raising their prices because of the shortages in the supply chain from the last three years. You're, you're bang on with your demographic because this report does show that the luxury market saw significant sales jumps. Yeah. Lexus, Infinity, Audi brands, they all yeah. went off the dealerships pretty quickly. Dr. Lee, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate you waking up with us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Dr. Ian Lee, Associate Professor of the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University, always bang on with his analysis, including this time around on this new report that says demand now impacting auto sales. And those vehicles are flying off the lots once again. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Let's jump into the jungle that is federal politics. Because there was some pretty big news just yesterday where the federal NDP rejected the first draft of the Trudeau government's Pharmacare legislation. As you know, these two political parties have a confidence in supply agreement. Some say that's a fancy word for a coalition, which basically it is. Uh, the NDP health critic Don Davies saying the first draft of this bill didn't meet their expectations. So back to the drawing board, not necessarily back to the drawing board, but... Hey, put in put in more stuff. We need to see more of what we want. It's basically what the NDP is telling the Liberals. Where do we go from here? Peter Grafe is a professor of political science at McMaster University and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Peter, good morning. How are you? Great, thanks. I hope you're well, too. I am good. What should we read into this, um, I guess, back and forth from a political standpoint? Uh, I mean, I think it's uh, mostly some saber rattling on the part of the NDP. Uh 
you know, when uh, a small party enters into one of these uh, supply agreements with a larger one, it's uh, very dangerous for them in that uh, to the extent that the government's unpopular, they pay the price. And to the extent the government does good things, well, that kind of government takes the credit, not the small party. And so I think this is an attempt by the NDP to try and uh, get some visibility around the question of uh, a pharmacare policy and to remind Canadians that if the government is doing some things like pharmacare or dental care, it's uh, as a result of the pressure coming from the NDP. So making the case that the NDP makes a difference uh, to their base of supporters. Whenever this legislation comes to be, and some are suggesting that at the end of this year is probably where we're going to see the initial legislation uh, enter the House, will it be a bigger win for the Liberals? Or will a lot of people say, hey, if if it wasn't for this supply and confidence agreement, uh, you know, the, the, this coalition, this government would not stand. So let's give credit to the NDP. Where do you think the credit is going to fall to? I guess it will depend a lot on the, the nature of the legislation and whether the NDP tries to take credit for it or not. But uh, to the extent that they do, I think this is a rare case where people might actually believe them uh, on a policy like this, because you have a federal uh, liberal government that doesn't seem to be full of big ideas at the moment. And so I think uh, Canadians might be more likely to see this as a result of uh, the NDP's pressure you know, particularly to the extent that uh, the NDP last spring and bringing forward and pushing for a pharmacare bill and now, uh, you know, pushing again here in the fall is is being able to get a bit of visibility as a party that uh, seems to genuinely want to see progress on this file. Uh, Peter Grafe is a professor of political science at McMaster University, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHMLs to talk about this upcoming pharmacare legislation that the Liberals and NDP are working on. We know that the Conservatives... Uh, not only are riding high in the polls, but they're also promoting, uh, you know, a, not necessarily a slash and burn government, but they're going to be much more cost con, uh, con, cost conscious than both the Liberals and the NDP. And we know that this pharmacare legislation would equate to about $23, 27000000000 billion in expenditures. How do the Conservatives approach this? Uh, I suspect they'll make the argument that it's, you know, too expensive uh, for the government uh, uh, you know, and we'll pro- probably play to their base, uh, who are people who generally have drug plans through their uh, place of employment uh, or who are retired and are covered in various ways uh, by other drug plans for seniors. And so in that context, uh, they can quite easily, I think, oppose this, this bill because it's not going to have uh, as big a positive effect for their base. And in fact, uh, you know, while there, there's, uh, you know, some savings at the level of Canada as a whole in moving towards a, a well-structured drug plan and, and giving the capacity of the government to negotiate uh, better prices with uh, international pharmaceutical firms, uh, you know, ultimately that involves the federal government taking on the pro- costs and sort of pulling that out of private plans and provincial spending. And, uh, you know, people on the ground aren't necessarily going to see that immediately. So for the Conservatives, I think it's pretty costless for them to say that this is a an expensive plan and, and one that won't really uh, make a huge difference in the lives of many of their supporters, who again are, are probably already well covered by occupational plans or retirement plans. At the same time, we know healthcare is always at the top of Canadians' concerns, and we know the cost of living and just the cost of things is is through the roof in some cases. Giving Canadians a break on medicines, on drugs, would be a, a big win for, I would assume, whatever government kind of brings this in. Um, just your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think you you can look at you know what the NDP is trying to do here, I and mean, they realize they have a working class uh, voting base. Uh, you know, you know, kind of broadly understood, including you know a lot of people working you know service jobs or they aren't covered by uh, drug plans. And so between this and dental care, I think is this is their attempt to show a continued relevance to uh, the lives of low income Canadians, who in fact have become a much stronger voting base for the NDP over the past few decades. So. Yeah, I think it it does recognize you know they're they're fighting I think for those voters with the conservatives who are trying to win their votes uh, through more kind of cultural appeals uh, to try and make the case that the NDP or you know just sees woke people supporting a woke liberal government or what have you. I think the NDP's counter is to try and make the case that no in fact this will make a pretty big difference in the lives of lower income Canadians uh, who don't have coverage for dental and drug care in their places of work. Peter, we'll leave it there. Thank you for your time this morning. Enjoy the Thanksgiving weekend. And you too. Peter Grafe, professor of political science, McMaster University, as we discuss the pharmacare legislation that both the Liberal government and the NDP are working on. And again, it sounds like the end of this year is when the initial draft legislation is going to be presented. We'll see what that looks like. And I guess we'll find out whether the NDP likes what the Liberals have come up with. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big night in Brantford, Saturday night, Civics. Center Bulldogs and the Oshawa Generals. It is game number one in Brantford for the Bulldogs. We know that they've had an illustrious history here in Hamilton, winning the AHL's Calder Cup, the OHL Championship a couple of times, went to the Memorial Cup twice as members of the Hamilton Bulldogs. They're now the Brantford Bulldogs, and there's a lot of excitement going on in that city. And joining us now is the Mayor of Brantford, Kevin Davis. Mr. Davis, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, talk about the excitement in the city. What? Uh, there must be a big buzz in Brantford. There's been a buzz here for weeks. I mean, this game has been sold out for the last at least five, six weeks. Um, people are eagerly awaiting and anticipating the home opening game tomorrow night. What is the impact on the community from a sporting sense? And then we'll talk about the economic impact. From a, from a sporting sense, what is the feel in Brantford? Well, from a sporting sense... Brantford is a hockey town. That's the number one sport here, always has been. And so from a sporting sense, there are, there are a lot of people that recall the days, you know, 40 years ago when we had the Brantford Alexanders playing here. I can remember attending some of those games. And so there's there's always, the community's always been kind of, it has felt let down the fact that the Alexanders left and didn't come back. And we always felt that we could support an OHL team and have been looking for the opportunity to show that we can do that. In terms of sporting, I've seen it in terms of the young kids. Uh, I saw it the other night when we had an open house down at the Civic Center. Lots of young kids there, you know, most, most of whom I'm sure play hockey. And, you know, watching the players and, uh, and talking to the players and seeing the excitement in their faces, it's certainly going to give hockey, junior hockey, a major boost in our community. From an economic standpoint, what is the impact going to be? Do you have any projections? Yeah, the projections are that it's in millions of dollars. And uh, some of the restaurants are already taking advantage of that and some other businesses. Others, I think, are kind of waiting and watching to see what the impact is actually going to be. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind it's it's going to be a major boost for that part of our city. I know the Brantford... Next to our downtown. Yeah, absolutely. I know the, the Civic Center was undergoing some refurbishment to get ready for this season. Is that all complete? It's, let's just say it's 99% complete. Today, they're 
even I'm sure tomorrow up until about noon they'll be you know doing some of the finishing touches. I was through yesterday and the day before. It's essentially complete. Uh, there's still some things they need to do just to fine tune what they've done so far. Kevin, it's, Dave? it's really truly amazing. It's breathed it's breathed new life into that building that part of our city. That's great to hear. Kevin Davis is the mayor of the city of Brantford. Joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is the Bulldogs, the Brantford Bulldogs, getting set to play their home opening game tomorrow night at the Civic Center as they take on Oshawa. How closely have you been following the roller coaster story of Hamilton's arena renovation project? Because it has a lot to do with whether or not the Bulldogs will be back here. Uh, I mean, I've watched it. I, I'm an avid reader, the spectator, and I'm quite familiar with with the, the, the story and how it's developed in uh, in Hamilton. Really hard for me to comment on it, though, because it, it does seem to have changed from the original concept. But uh, it's an interesting concept, which now seems to be focusing on entertainment. I mean, part of the reason why we're doing the renovations to our civic center is uh, is because we believe it to be an entertainment center, although first and foremost it's a hockey arena. But we're looking at building a new arena, and when we discuss that and talk about it, we talk about it being more than just a hockey rink. But there's no question, no matter with our current arena or if we build a new arena, it primarily will be a hockey arena. What is the status of the new arena? Is it still in the planning stages? Have you approved it? Is that close? Uh, we're, we're now in the process of doing you call it a feasibility study uh, to see if the city can economically support an OHL team. It can. And now we're looking at where it might be located. Uh, kind of looking at sort of what the design would look like, how, how much it would cost, how that would be financed. And there'll be a report coming to council probably late winter. And then that's when we'll make some decisions. We have a couple more minutes with Kevin Davis. Kevin is the mayor of the city of Brantford. The Brantford Bulldogs getting set to play their home opener tomorrow night at the Civic Center, the sold-out Civic Center as the Oshawa Generals come to town. There's another big impact and a big benefit to Brantford, and that is the Bulldogs Foundation, which last year donated almost a million dollars to youth programs. How, how much are you looking forward to this foundation being a part of Brantford now? Well, they've already been quite active here in town. They've just announced that there's a major funding program that uh, it's a program that introduces uh, kids to hockey, especially those that come from families that can't afford to have their children involved in hockey. And so they've announced a major funding program for, for that for that initiative, which is great. Right? It ties right into promoting hockey and promoting hockey to the to the youth of our community. And I'm sure that's just the first of many other important initiatives and it's great that they focus you know primarily on youth uh, which is much of my own focus so really looking forward to working with the foundation already have, have spent uh, with some time with Peggy Chapman who as you know is the, the director of the foundation and there's more to come. Um, we know that the Bulldogs have a three-year lease agreement in Brantford, extended, extendable, I should say, to six years, if if they wish. How how active do you anticipate to be in trying to entice owner Michael Anlauer to just stay in Brantford? Well, first of all, we're extremely fortunate to have somebody like Michael Anlauer doing this, the behind this, the, the, and the, the whole Bulldogs organization. I'll give you an example. He He was in town a couple of weeks ago. And the, the Civic Center is 58 years old. It's never had a paint job on the outside. And he suggested the building needed to be, you know, the outside of it needed to be upgraded a bit. 
And he actually, the Bulldogs actually agreed to pay the cost of repainting the building in Bulldog colors. And that's been done over the last several weeks. The building looks great. (laughs) It looks like the home of the Bulldogs. And the home of the Bulldogs will be rocking tomorrow night, the Brantford Civic Center Bulldogs and Generals. So this community wants to keep this team here in Bradford. And I believe with you. And so the Civic Center, uh, the refurbished Civic Center, has gotten them here. But to keep them here, we'll need a new arena. And I'm optimistic that that's the course that we'll follow. It's going to be exciting to watch both on and off the ice. Mayor Davis, thanks for the time this morning. Great talking to you, Rick. And would you want to do the play-by-play in this opening game? (laughs) I think that job's already spoken for, but I appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) Okay. Kevin Davis is the mayor of the city of Brantford. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A week after they clinched a playoff spot, Tiger Cats visit the Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow night. Matt Schiltz, patient, patient, throws deep, looking end zone. It's caught. Wow. It's a touchdown. Terry Godwin. Perfect pass from Matt Schiltz. Big win last week against Calgary, and the Ticats looking for another big W tomorrow in Ryderville. CHML's coverage will begin with the pregame show at 6. You can listen to the fifth quarter after the game, brought to you by Eastgate Ford. And a big thanks to the Ticats Audio Network and RJ Broadhead with the call of that audio clip. And his right-hand man is Luke Tasker, former receiver, color analyst with the Ticats Audio Network, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Luke, good morning. How are you? Hey, Rick. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Ticats have won three out of their last four. Uh, are they playing their best football right now? Yeah, they are. I think that you saw their, the highlights of this season, to me, uh, maybe the BC and the Winnipeg game. You've got two teams, 11-4 and four in the West, and the Ticats have beat both of them. Uh, sort of uh, not, not what you might have expected. Um, and those games were really special, specifically the Winnipeg game at Tim Hortons Field and you know, it's interesting. Last season this was a similar highlight: Hamilton beating uh, Winnipeg, uh, who's very good uh, at home. So that's just been, uh, you know, two really bright spots there. But in general, at this moment, the Ticats are are just like you said. This is they are they are playing good football. I, I really think this Ticat defense has uh, come a long way from uh, early this season. They had their struggles. They were really. Uh, having difficulty stopping teams uh, from from uh, scoring touchdowns and from occupying uh, games, and uh, now they've really uh, they're a tough defense. I think they're very good in position to to, to do well uh, in this last stretch of the season and into the playoffs. And you know now, and you've got a, a, an offense that has, with all the ups and downs of the season, they're they're starting to, to have a lot better uh, production as well. So it's exciting. We uh, Hamilton fans should be very very uh, excited uh, for what what the Tigers have been through this year and where they are now. Yeah, they're certainly trending in the right direction for sure. We are uh, eagerly anticipating the Ticats depth chart later on this morning because we don't know whether it's Matt Schultz, Bo Levi Mitchell, or Taylor Powell starting at quarterback. A- any guess as to who gets the call tomorrow? Well, I think that we are going to see uh, Bo Levi Mitchell a little bit, um, and it seems like his health is back. And I think it's a, I think it's a great thing, uh, Rick. The you got three weeks left, and th- there is still a possibility that that the Ticats have a home playoff game. That's not out of the question here, although Montreal has the upper hand in that uh, back and forth. So it's not like there are these th- these three games aren't meaningless, uh, but you're, you're, you do not risk a playoff spot. And what that means is. 
if they can trust Bo Levi Mitchell's health, they're certainly going to give him uh, an opportunity to go out there and, and get some shake some rust off. He's sort of he sort of has a, a a little bit of a preseason, a uh, personal preseason, let's call it, to get through. And so uh, if if they can trust. Uh, the injuries and, and where he is with the healing process, they're going to give him that opportunity, and that, that'll be exciting in its own. We've got one minute. I want to talk about James Butler, because he is 58 yards away from becoming the first Ticats running back in 13 years to rush for 1,000 yards in a season. How big of a contributor has JB been this year? Yeah, it's huge. And uh, you know, On a game-by-game basis, there's been some uh, some weeks of the season where uh, you can't you can't overstate it. I mean, he's made such an impact in, in some of the wins for the Ticats. And, uh, and, you know, the run game can actually get more and more important uh, into the playoffs, especially if you find yourself in a, in a matchup late in the season or into the playoffs with inclement weather where you have to get some production on the ground. Uh, and I think the Ticats have uh, maybe the best in the league uh, uh, in the backfield with whatever quarterback standing next to him uh, to, to, to make a difference uh, in the ground game. And it certainly is true, Rick, that as that is, as you start to have some success running it's it, the, the, the job of the receivers and the offensive linemen in the pass game uh, become all the easier. So uh, definitely a complimentary thing there. And I, and I'm very excited to watch James Butler in the last uh, three games here and into the playoffs. Absolutely. Looking forward to the call from yourself and RJ tomorrow night. Have a uh, great game and uh, hopefully we're celebrating a Ticats win. Thanks for the time today. You bet. Thanks, Rick. Looking forward to it. Luke Tasker, former receiver, color analyst with the Ticats Audio Network. Again, the pregame show here on CHML begins at 6. Tomorrow night, kickoff is at 7. The fifth quarter follows, brought to you by Eastgate Ford. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.